Josh, this Sunday is a big show. It, it is a big show, but Could, make it be bigger. much bigger. You have to make it bigger for me. And I will right now because you and I are going to be somewhere watching SummerSlam this Sunday. Yes, and people we are. can come out and join us. And where is that exactly that we are going to be? I'm going to be at the Brixton this Sunday watching SummerSlam, hosted by my hashtag good friend Justin Morris. That I understand they have a $6 food menu and they also sell beer. They do, yes. $4.50 beers, $4 shots of tequila, Whoa. a $6 comprehensive food menu. It's the Brixton in downtown Vancouver, Maine and Georgia, I am hosting it. Come on out. We got to make this a success so we can have another one of these down the road. Would love to see you all there. Josh and I and some other good friends will be there as well. We hope you are too. But now, on with the show. Look, I haven't been completely honest with you. I've actually, I've been here for a little while. But I didn't want to come out here until Dolph had officially signed that contract because Dolph, I was afraid you'd change your mind once you heard what I had to say. The, the truth is, I, the truth is I was dealing with some travel issues. They just, they weren't exactly my travel and you know that that little clause in the contract about uh, me having someone in my corner at SummerSlam well that that was put there for a very particular reason you see I've kind of gotten sick and tired of dealing with you guys two-on-one and since I know you're gonna have the Scottish psychopath in your corner at SummerSlam. I ought to have a lunatic in mine. Oh my! Look who's here! The lunatic French is back! Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morrisette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses, and oh, people have been so messy in this <laughs> summer heat. It's disgusting. Josh Custodio. Justin, you said this is another episode of the... Uh, you know, our podcast, whatever the intro is. You said it's another one. Did you say that? I did say that. This is another one, but would you not agree? This one, it's a little special. Oh, this, yes. In some ways, this is only the second version of this podcast we've ever done. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the second incarnation of... The Top Marks House Party. Yeah, we are returning to the house party format, which, of course, did us so well last time. It, I think, is our most popular episode of uh, the show. Definitely our most downloaded episode of all time. Yeah, so if that's, that's any metric, I would say that was a success. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I think uh, the people who normally listen also liked it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's wins across the board. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I do feel like maybe we've gotten a little less popular as time has gone Oh, what on. do you or mean maybe by maybe WrestleMania is just not, uh, or is, is, is not quite... Uh, on the level 
of SummerSlam in a good way. It's on a higher level. Right. SummerSlam yeah. is not on the level of WrestleMania is Wait. perhaps what a smart person would have said. Hang on. I'm not going to let this go. What do you mean less popular? Hang on a second. Because we have less guests this time. We've oh, opened the doors I see. I to see. our home. Yeah. We're welcoming everyone into it's our true. SummerSlam house party. And are as many people showing up as came over for WrestleMania? No, you got Brodo on his honeymoon. Yeah. Jameson's out in Banff. Yeah. So Fergie's working. Guys are working the territories. Yeah. Guys are getting married. <laughs> guys are doing all sorts of things. Uh, but we got some friends coming by today that we most I'm certainly pretty do. excited to talk to. And, I, you know, I will say I'm not necessarily as excited for this show as I was for WrestleMania either. I don't feel the same. Really? No, I think this is a better card. Now, in terms of my excitement for it, who knows? Because my excitement is all so tied to how damn, I think you used the word when we were off mic, how bloated these shows are. Yeah. And I was about to say long, but bloated's actually a way better word for it because it's not just the matches. It's these, the, and I like video packages, but by the time you're at number 10 of the night and hour six and a half, it's, it's impossible to still have any sort of attention still going. My attention span isn't good enough. I mean, yeah, this is looking like it's going to be roughly a six and a half hour show probably. Oh, like who is here? for that. Anyway, they, we've talked about this on the show. Just My excitement, I would say, is there. And as we look up and down this card, there are some well-built feuds. Would you agree to that? Oh, certainly. Like, you know, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Yeah. And that's one of those things where as soon as you knew that it was happening, that they were going to do it at all, they almost had to put, like, no effort into the build yeah. whatsoever. It's a match that sells itself based on everything, like, all of the previously recorded material that you have from, like, the two years that Daniel Bryan was an on-screen character who couldn't wrestle. That alone is enough to sell this match. Well, and they totally capitalized on exactly what you're saying. They leaned very heavily on the past in this video content. As you know, as we both saw, uh, SmackDown last night puts together these three different video segments. Spectacular. Spectacular. And I, I hate to say something negative, the coming out of that, okay? I don't mean okay. to do this because okay. I did I did love those. My chief thought after watching those is we are missing something without talking smack. We are of course. We are in deficit in a way that I didn't realize how much that uh, what year would that be? 2016, 2016 run of SmackDown? Yeah. What I think you love, I love. I think most uh, people I thought that was, you know, in the time that I have been watching uh wrestling since I got back in in like twenty twelve, yeah. roughly, let's say. Uh, the two highlights for me are Seth's run as champion mm -hmm. in 2014, or 2015, I guess 15, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, SmackDown right after the brand split. Yeah, like the Cena, Dean, yeah. AJ, yeah. I mean, yeah. but as this was put together and just, you see promos on both sides and the seeds are planted. Anyway, hashtag bring back Talking Smack if you're asking me. Of course, Daniel Bryan's champion uh, run, like run to the title in 2014, <laughs> is a huge highlight for me as well. No, I, as I recall, you hated that. <laughs> that was, so how are they going to take it off Orton? That's a star. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, uh, you know, did anyone have that opinion? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 what are they putting this little indie guy in the main event for? I need an evolution <laughs> grudge match ten years after the fact. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that opinion did exist. What a nightmare. Because Sorry to the interrupt internet, you there. of course, if you can think it, it's out it there. It definitely exists. Yeah. Uh, but but from what I just said about, like, this is a feud that they had to put no effort into whatsoever. Yeah. I know there's some people who will say that it didn't live up to quite what they wanted over the last four weeks or so. Hmm. But I think it's mostly been good. Like, I, th I thought the, the angle that they did last week where Brian just raided the set oh, of yeah. Miz and Mrs. and just attacked him in the middle of his reality show 
was fucking great. Well, not only was it great, and I, I'm actually meant to bring this up on the show last week. It, it's a nice embodiment of uh, if if the feud is. Daniel Bryan views pro wrestling one way and v- Miz views it in another. That's a perfect encapsulation of it. You know what I mean? Because, well, Bryan has had his time on Total Bellas. 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 Um, he was on Total Divas for a little bit. Too. Okay, but yeah. he, he has had his flirtings with it, but it's never I mean, a show about the him. The reason right? that I started watching Total Divas in the first place was because when he first left with his first long-term injury, yeah. the only place you could see him anywhere was, was there. And Brie Bella segments on Total Divas. Yeah. Is this your most anticipated match for Sunday? It has to be. Yeah, hey. I mean, both from like a, this is the feud that I am into, and from just like a purely like grudge match. Like every pay-per-view should at least be built on like a long-term story grudge match being told. And in terms of the main roster, like Brian and Miz is about as close as we get to Ciampa and Gargano. Yeah, uh, it definitely is, I think, in terms of like a, a clear-cut babyface and heel dynamic. I don't know if you'll find. And something that's just been told over such a long that's period right. of time that you have emotional investment in it. And there are such high stakes based on how long this has been going and totally, how much yeah. time they've had to kind of ratchet things up. I'd also just like to say to people who haven't been totally satisfied with the build, I would only say you're not satisfied with the build so far. I would be shocked if this feud is over. Oh, this is not ending. I, I think you're seeing at least three pay-per-views here. If they run this to Mania, that doesn't blow me out. Of, like, I, I could see that even happening. Like, on, we've talked several times about how AJ is probably going to hang on to that belt until WrestleMania, just go yeah. a full year with it. Yeah. Uh, but if you were to lose it, I would say the person he should lose it to, and I've said this before, is The Miz. Yeah. Like, it's... give me Brian versus Miz. Like, have Brian win the Rumble this year. Yep. And have Miz win the title from AJ. And give me Brian versus Miz for the title at Mania. I am Like, you could carry sold. this over. Like, I'm sure that they would have to take some detours, or that this feud could combine with another feud at some point in a way that, like... You know, we got that uh, Cesaro, Owens, Zane, Miz oh, thing yeah. a couple years the, ago the where four-way. things just, like, bleed together. Yeah, Cesaro was the fourth But, man. like, you could just keep this going on some level for quite a while because, like, what else is Daniel Bryan going to do on, on SmackDown? Obviously, there's a ton of opponents yes, for him yeah. to wrestle. And maybe the long-term plan is Bryan versus AJ because that was the match that they teased us the night after sure. Mania and then didn't give us. Well, we got the match. But, yeah, you're right. No finish. Yeah. I mean, even the match was not. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was like here's right. the, a tantalizing promise of a thing you want to see, and yoink! Yeah, big will. cast. It's, <laughs> eventually, we have to get to the the triple threat with Joe, Brian, and AJ. That's uh, yeah. that's just what I got to see. But at some but point. hey, if that is the Mania match, then kudos to them. Oh yeah, for planting the seed for something literally the day after Mania. Yeah, respect and carrying it out over the course of an entire year. But, like, I do think it's the same thing that I said about Ciampa and Gargano when we talked about that the first time that it was going down. Mm. It's like, this is a feud that deserves the title. Like, you can say that it doesn't need the title, but when it's your biggest story, like, that's where the belt should be. Well, and a feud can help a belt, too. I think people always talk about it going in inverse. But you think of the U.S. title with uh, Jericho and Owens on it. It never felt more important. Or John Cena in the Open Challenge. Oh, for sure. Where's the U.S. title now? Yeah. I mean, like, I I bet you there are people on the street who have no idea who the U.S. champion is, who follow wrestling somewhat. Like, it is, uh, it's utterly believable. It's Shinsuke Nakamura, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, think about that for, like, 20 seconds. Right, you probably thought maybe Jeff Hardy, all these, this would have never happened under a good reign, right? So, so there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first time tuning into the show, this one's a little bit format breaking, but generally the show is Justin and I breaking down the... 
One, two, three! Biggest topics in the world of wrestling for how long, Justin? Fifteen minutes at a time. At the maximum. But this week we'll not be doing so. We're going to be opening up the doors to Studio Beard How 5. Not in studio or our real good studios today. We're back here in the, would you say the original location? Get, getting of the back show? to our roots. Getting yeah. back to our roots. Back to the shack, baby. Yeah. Uh, and I got the Ico Pro uh, banners up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, this is really, we're in the Hammerstein ballroom of, uh, of Top Mark Studios. Well, let's right just now. hope this goes better than Raw 25. Uh, <laughs> and what we've done is we've, like I said, opened up the doors to the studio. We've brought out the beer, and we're having a house party, folks. The call to... Oh, uh, 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 duh. The uh, call yeah. to uh, have people appear, I think is what you were trying to say. I, well, I have no idea what you are trying to say. Well, actually, I just had a stroke. Okay. I wasn't trying to say anything. Yeah. I was just uh, stroking yeah, out. Half of your face is drooping really bad <laughs> right now. I'm going to become a great commentator, mm-hmm. so that'll show you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think we're going to throw in first maybe to a former guest on the show, a great Twitter presence. Uh, Caitlin Hotchkiss is going to be joining us. Yeah, she, of course, joined us for the two-part best of the year last year. That's right. And uh, why not uh, open the doors to her? Caitlin. Are you there? Come on in. Round one. Fight. Caitlin, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for bringing like a spinach dip in a bread bowl. Yum. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, right, right on the plane, all the way from Toronto, right to you guys in yeah. Vancouver. The dip seems a little bit—I don't know if it's still edible, but uh, <laughs> you know, a little off. The, the thought is there, and that's what counts. Thank uh, you so yeah. much for joining us again. It's a pleasure to have you back. No worries. Thank you guys for having me back. It's—it's uh, it's good to see you both again uh, uh, from a very long distance. I love dip. <laughs> you, Joshua, loves the dip I brought. I'm a big on the plane. I'm just a big dip guy at parties in general. I, I could do without, like, bowls of chips or pretzels or anything. I love, like, spinach and artichoke dip or crab dip. I like dips. I like to dip things. But you need that little bread cube, right? Oh, I love a bread cube. Because when you were saying get rid of the chips, I'm like, what, is he just sticking his finger in the dips here? <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? Please, no judgment. This animal. This Actual is a, animal. This is a judgment-free podcast. Speaking of animals... How about that Samoa Joe? Oh, I was going to say Judgment. Look at that Dave Meltzer. Oh, yeah. We could go there, too. <laughs> Wowee. How about we start with Big uh, Money Melts, Dave Meltzer? Because you just played me this recording, Yeah, it's just as coming down as we're, as we're doing this right now. Uh, so for those of you who may not have heard or seen, uh, Dave Meltzer made some comments on his uh, Wrestler Observing Newsletter radio show, basically saying that, as I heard it, he found Peyton Royce more attractive in NXT because she was lighter. Which is sort of how, is that how you two took it? We'll start with you, Caitlin. Is that what we think Dave Meltzer's saying? Uh, well, the people defending Meltz here are saying, oh, but he was referring to her breast implants. But, right. like, that's really splitting hairs because, honestly, and I was saying this to some friends before this call, that, you know, you shouldn't be commenting on a wrestler's looks at all, like whether you're a, a male or a female wrestler. It should be about your look in general and not your body type, depending on, like, your boobs, like, your Gut, like it doesn't matter how you look, it matters how you act and how you wrestle and what your skills are. And that, you know, it just this whole thing has been blowing up on Twitter. God bless you, Tyler Breeze, for coming right in there and just destroying Meltz. It was great. And then Meltzer just fucking digging lower with his response to it. Like, man, it, like, just, just don't even go there. Like, why? Yeah, he's got a very dubious history about commenting on women involved in wrestling, you know, aside from his old, like, love for Japanese women's wrestling, whatever does not get you a pass. It's just really problematic and dubious, and it was just the wrong fucking thing to say. And like, just believe it. And if anything, it seems like his love of Japanese women's wrestling comes from kind of a weird, it's... creepy place in the first place. Yeah, uh, is that right? worse now. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh no. Cuz he was he was making trips over there to like visit the ladies back in the 90s. Really? When he, when he was a younger man. And yeah, when you factor that into any of his comments about Japanese women's wrestling, it just seems like a fetish thing for him. It's uh disgusting. Well, Anyways. Well, you guys give me a pass if when Dean Ambrose returns and now he's more muscular, I'm like a little bit horned up at the television being like yeah. Dean is jacked because of now. His big arms. Yeah, I definitely yeah. Was, I was definitely into that. Well, yeah, no, please objectify. It's positive. A positive objectification is great. Okay, there we go. That's the difference. <laughs> I was going to say. But, actually, not, not always. Like, horny, creepy. Like, when it crosses into the creepy line, we're looking at you, every Alexa Bliss fan online ever. It's, <laughs> other than that, it's, you know, sometimes it can be complimentary and not necessarily perverted. There's a very fine line. And... Fedora-wearing basement dwellers really don't know where that line is. My and name is Josh, for God's sakes. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was going to say, like, every time I talk about Kevin Owens, it's like it's it's heartening to see somebody with that body type, like, put into a position to succeed in this company. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean to uh, objectify him either, but I guess in some ways I do. He is yeah. a very fine, quality gentleman. Uh, it, but- it is a, it is, yeah, it is the question of we can all objectify or be what, problematic, whatever we want, but we don't have the audience that Dave Meltzer has. And also, True. Dave Meltzer was definitely not talking about her implants. He was saying that she is less exceptional on the main roster, that she doesn't stand out, that she's not as good-looking, and, like... A lot lighter is not referring to boobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> like that's, that's just I agree a, with you. It's a <laughs> horrific thing to say. And the weird part is like you can hear him trying not to say anything that's offensive. Like there's multiple points in the clip where it's like I don't mean to or I don't want to and it's like and you still said that. Yeah. Like good job, man. Great uh. stuff. Uh, but Caitlin, let's talk about something that's a little bit more fun and less infuriating. Yeah. And that is of course uh, well, there's a couple feuds that you wanted to talk about with us here, and I'm I'm down to go either direction. But let's start with the pre-show because I don't think there's a single other person who's going to join us over the rest of this uh, house party here that's going to want to talk about anything going on on the pre-show. But you oh. are super into this, uh, uh, you know, El Idolo versus uh, the Bulgarian Brute feud that they've been doing uh, with Andrade and Rusev. Is that correct? I am. I think it's going to be a really good one. I mean. Fair disclosure on the kickoff. There's also the cruiserweight championship. That's going to be great. I just, you know, love love Drew Gulak, love Cedric Alexander. So that's also going to be good. But I was tweeting about this match for like a fucking month, and it finally happened. They set up the intergender mixed tag with Rusev and Lana against Almas and Vega, and I think it has the potential to be a super fucking good match. Now I'm going to give a disclosure here because there's probably going to be Aiden English shenanigans. Put him in a fucking shark cage above the ring, please, God. Like, do something with him that is, you know, humorous and entertaining. Do you, do you think so, though? I thought that that was them writing him off on Tuesday. I thought that was, like, I, almost taking him out so that uh, he doesn't come ringside. I'd be surprised to see Aiden English at ringside. I really do hope so, but I have terrible visions of it being, like, an Ellsworth situation yeah, where, like, sure. the, the, bump, the bumbling fool sidekick can't help but fuck things up again. And, I mean, I know there's nothing on the line, but so I'm really super interested to see how uh, the wrestling match goes in general because I think they're portraying Zelina Vega as being far below her skill level because she's a very talented wrestler. Like, she's a very good wrestler. Um, not, like, super top echelon of women's wrestlers, but they have her kind of performing as a valet who is maybe just 
pulling out a Hurricane Rana every now and again. By every now and again, you mean every match? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But also, like, the hair pulling and the slaps. Yeah, totally. And I get that she's probably going to be the one that is carrying Lana a little bit, but I'd like to see Lana do a little more work here for this match as well. I think this is a great opportunity for both of them to showcase that they have more skills than just being managers slash valets for their respective partners. And in the meantime, you know, fucking Rusev is great. Almas is incredible. Incredible. I th- I'm sure we can all agree that those two don't deserve to be relegated to the pre-show. Oh, but not at all. Uh, at the I, same time, it is good they have a match. Like, that's that's a bonus. Yeah, I feel like the last month for Almas has gone about as good as it possibly can. And, you know, something that we talk about on the show quite a bit is that it seems impossible for them to translate heels, especially heel tag teams, but, you know, heels in general up to the main roster from NXT. I guess actually in singles they've had a little bit more success. Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, guys yeah. like that. But, I mean, yeah. the transition for anybody coming up from NXT to the main roster, no matter if you're in a tag team or what your alignment is, is dicey at the best of times. And almost like, feels like a big deal over the last yeah. little bit. And I don't know if it's just as simple as the fact that, like, they've given him something to do at all. Yeah, well, I think, honestly, it kind of feels like they're holding him back as a sort of secret weapon at times, maybe, in case there's going to be, like, an injury on a higher level to, like, a, like a, a main card guy. Like, they kind of have him on reserve, it sort of feels like to me. He's not he's not as off the radar as, like, where, where the fuck is Offers of Pain right now? Like, where, right. what's Sanity doing? Like, what are any of these guys doing? But it seems to me like they give him a few little flashes of brilliance every now and again on the main roster to get us thinking, oh, yeah, here's this guy. He's We kind of have him at the side ready to go in the event that we need somebody for the main card scene. I think that's going to happen within the next year for sure. I got to tell you guys, I love yeah. this pairing of Rusev and Andrade for a couple of reasons. I think there's a couple of things that really has going for it. Neither of them get to lead in, uh, rather lean into the foreigner thing whatsoever because they're both yeah. foreigners. So these are guys who have leaned on this in their gimmicks, not heavily, but certainly on the Rusev side heavily. They haven't done that. They're attacking each other as you're a shitty guy and I'm Rusev and the people love me. And getting to have babyface Rusev and heel Andrade, this feels like something I would have been calling for last year, especially as Rusev was getting especially hot. I don't know how much time they're going to give this match. And like you, Caitlin, I kind of have fears of the the interruptions that may happen. Mm-hmm. But if they just let these four and mostly those two wrestle for a while, I really think you could get something not great, but very good here. Good for the pre-show. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good for them. Well, the two acts almost kind of like feel like they parallel each other in some ways. Yeah. So if anything, it feels like this is uh, uh, like su- super quick to be getting to this feud within, like, the span of Andrade's, like, main roster run in some ways. Right. But at the same time, like, give me the good stuff straight away. That's how I'm going to care about someone. Yeah, that, I think there's a lot of reason to think that's true. I would just ask, uh, Caitlin, like, if if we can assume, and I know Josh is maybe less uh, on board with this than you and I are, that Aiden English is probably going to be involved in the finish here in some way, whether that's win or lose for Almas... Does he benefit at all if the whole thrust of this is seems to be, you know, dysfunction within Rusev Day? Oh, God, I don't even know, because it does seem like, like Josh was saying, that it kind of seems like it's already reached its end point at this point in time. Like, what else can you really do besides, you know, the, the fucking whole, like, maybe a Russo thing where Aiden English joins Almas and Vega, which would be <laughs> incredibly weird. But then, uh, watch that happen. Watch that happen. Like, this is, that would just be the uh, dumbest thing. 
That's like the dumbest timeline, and it probably was going to happen on Sunday. It's a um, dolo day. There, that there is like that's perfect, and I mean, I, I could actually. Oh god. I, I mean, by perfect. By, <laughs> by perfect, you mean hell on earth. I really. Do I not. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And it's, it's cursed. <laughs> but it's let's so cursed. let's talk about something that actually is perfect. Something that's felt yes. like a pretty big deal over the last couple weeks, and something that I feel yes. like we've probably been looking forward to quite a bit oh. since Joe got called up to the main roster in the first place, and. Uh, you know, again, give me that good stuff. Like, was probably top of the list in terms of feuds you would want to see when Joe made the switch over to SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously this is a retread in some ways, in a lot of ways, because they had a storied feud in TNA and, you know, one of the best eras of TNA in some yeah, ways. 2005. That, like... We've seen this before, but to get it on this stage, everything feels more important when it's in the WWE on some levels. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of things in WWE that don't feel important at all also, <laughs> yeah. but this is not one of them, and we are getting Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship yeah. at the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Like, this is a big deal. <laughs> Fired up! Yeah, no, it's super exciting, and I think I just read today that uh, as of today, AJ is the longest reigning WWE champion on SmackDown in SmackDown history. So oh. I don't think they're going to work that in. But that's also a cool factoid because, so holy shit, the stakes are really high here. It's, it's a good match. I would argue that other than the uh, – so I want to say it's inevitable. Other than us eventually getting Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, this is the dream match that we want to see with AJ. Because, you know, J-Mo, you're right. It's the TNA background. They were in Ring of Honor together for a really brief time, but they – I. I tried to see if they had a match. I don't think they did. I think they just teamed together at one point. But in TNA, you know, if, if you know anything, you know that that match from 05, that's AJ versus Samoa Joe versus Christopher Daniels, is probably the best triple threat match in a long time. I'll go like, further. Already... I, think, I think it's the best TNA match. Yes, that, that's exactly what a, a lot of people would say, and I totally agree because it is phenomenal i mean not to use aj's word god buzzwords. Ah. Fucking, the wwe's got to my brain <laughs> um so i think you know we are in for a fucking great wrestling match i want to say that the build up to it has been a little a little dicey um on the rare i actually watched smackdown last night i've kind of moved away a little bit but wow. the, the, i know i just the, and, and joe reading this weird letter from aj's wife yeah i guess we're supposed oh. to think it's his wife wendy I styles i think was it wendy, wendy? i forget yeah, it was and then, wendy I think. and then and then it just faded to black because it was the end of the show i'm like this <laughs> is a, a really fucked up thing that's happening because I, I get that it's supposed to be like psychological mind games but it's it was Played in a way that was very weird, especially from Joe, because Joe is so good on the mic. He's such a great talker. He can make anything sound really terrifying. And this just kind of fell really flat to me. I definitely um, didn't think it was as good as two weeks ago when he was attacking no. how, like, you can't be a great champion and a great father. So if you're saying yeah. you're a great champion, that means you're never home with your kids. I thought that's actually a great kind of unique angle <laughs> that yeah. speaks truth to life. Although I liked last night more than you did, just because I felt like it was sort of the... The, if that was the, the, the Sunday, this was just the cherry. It wasn't as good, but the other did so much stage setting and told me what the feud yeah. was about that it just felt like a slight continuation of that. But well, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. I had a realization a couple years ago. This was during the 
Seth versus Kane feud. Oh yeah, um, oh, I'm sure we all remember. I uh, like that feud. Yeah, I like that. Corporate feud too. and demon Corp- flipping back yeah, and forth. The, that was the great. The duality of man. The security was great. I thought it was awesome. And the two Canes uh, was was wonderful. And the but, match was all right. But one of the things that I realized during the build to that is like, especially when Raw went off the air with Kane bursting out of the ring and then just dragging Seth down oh, to, hell. to hell. <laughs> and, that, and that was the end of the show. Like, th- like there is. On some level, like, yeah. ultimately they are scripting a show from week to week, but at the same time, in a bigger picture, they are also scripting a video package to play before a match. Right. And there are elements that will pop up along the way that are like, I don't really know that that was the best decision from a TV perspective, but then it plays yeah. into the way the package is edited together, and it's like, oh, okay, I can tell why you thought you needed that. And to me, that Joe reading the letter thing is like, the perfect example of that. It seems like the wrong note, A, to go off the air with on the go-home show to SummerSlam, but also to just kind of cap off what has been a largely promo-built feud to this Mm -hmm. point that has felt very personal and had a a good amount of stakes to it. Um, So, you know, yeah, kind of a a bum note, but then we're going to watch the pre-match little package and be like, ah, yes, this all makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a really good, like, TV producer's point of view on that because I, I would not have looked at it that way and I, you're right because there's a lot of moments where joe was talking to Paige too that i thought were fantastic yeah. like all of his quotes to her and he just sounds threatening like all the time and you know aj's mic skills are not great at the best of times but compared to joe ooh, it's, it's, it's a little dicey there too <laughs> so true. I, yeah, that, that, yeah i feel like aj's matches have maybe disappointed a little bit this year. Like Mm. he's not riding as high as he had been in the two years previous, perhaps this one to me feels like, you know, this has got to be the time where AJ Styles shines. Justin, I have to jump in there. I have a fear about this match and I want you two to help subside me from this fear, but I have a real fear about this match and I'm very nervous. I don't know how good of a match this is going to be. Okay. I know that sounds insane because I am the Samoa Mm. Joe guy. I, I know it sounds insane, but he's been wrestling like such a old school, atypical, slow down the action heel lately. Where I am wondering, you remember that Roman Reigns match? Like, I'm very curious if we're going to see a similar thing here, where it's like eight minutes of slowing down AJ Styles, trying to stifle the offense, and then letting AJ explode. But, I, but how much of that was just like the fact that he's wrestling Roman Reigns and to stop people from cheering for him? they need him to just do an eight-minute headlock. I hope you're right. Uh, but I, I am fearful that they're like, Joe, you are a bad guy. You are a full-on heel. You're not a cool heel. You're a bastard. Uh, I have a fear about this. Do, do, and you give me what Caitlin, do you think there's a chance of this happening? Uh, I think there's a probably a good chance of it. If only because people are always going to be behind Joe. Joe gets a lot of cheers. Oh, He's I a heel. Him. But pe- I know people love Joe. I fucking love Joe. And, and people are going to cheer for him anyway. But... I kind of would rather think of it as, you know, like watching Joe fight Brock Lesnar. Like, you want to give him an opponent that he can bounce well off of. And we know sure. that he has good chemistry with AJ. It's just going to be a matter of if, you know, the, the years past have told on everybody, except for maybe AJ Styles. He's probably immortal. He does feel um, like the but, exception. <laughs> but, but, you know, Joe does not move like he did in 2005. In no. So no. we're going we're gonna to have to see how they both sort of adjust for that. But I think that it has the potential to be a really brutal match and I, I would pick this over you know obviously over Roman Brock 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's got it's got a chance to have really good stakes and really good emotions. I'm not going to be thinking at all about the oh, you're such a bad father. Like I, I'm that's not figuring <laughs> at all. Like, I'm not thinking about that when I'm watching this match. I just want to see guys kill each other out there. Like that's all I'm looking forward to, really. And you're probably going to get that. Now, there are a number of reasons why Joe does not move the same way he did in 2005. <laughs> yeah. You can probably see a number of them uh, in clip form on YouTube if you just look up, like, Samoa Joe stairs bump. Well, forget uh, about it. That's in the Necro Butcher match. I mean, just watch that entire match and marvel at how the man ever moved yeah. again. Yeah, like, was <laughs> like, able to stand up at any point after a, a number like, of things that happened there. Sent on onto the rail. I'll let you go after this one, Caitlin, but do you sure. think there's a chance that Samoa Joe wins this thing. We have been talking for the better part of the last month like it is a sure thing that AJ rides out this title reign for a good many months, in fact, maybe right on till Mania. Do you think we could see Samoa Joe as WWE champion after Sunday? You know what? I do. I'm going to say I do. Because oh, I love it. Who, who is left after Joe? Who is the next possible candidate as a heel to fight AJ for the title. Like there's no, there's nobody left. Andrade, Andrade, Cien Almas, and the Miz. You, yeah, you can put you can put them both up there, but I think Miz is going to carry on that Brian feud for a while. I think that's true too. And I think Almas is probably treading water for a bit longer till the audience gets more used to him. I think you flip both titles if you're going to put that title on Reigns because God, we know they're going to do it. Yeah. You're going to put the other. I, I think that either you flip them both or you you don't flip either. Of them. So uh, now that's kind of. I got a name here, Caitlin, that I think is yeah. I think is AJ's next heel challenger. I don't know if you're gonna like it. Who is it? Randy Orton. I think so. Uh, too. I think so too. There's gonna be any dick touching involved because like that's how you uh, that's how you lose. You yeah. <laughs> did you guys hear about this? That's pretty crazy. Did you did either yeah. of you think of what you'd do in that situation if Randy Orton pulled his dick out and then made you shake his hand? Did either of you think of what you'd do? Uh, no, I didn't really put myself in that situation mentally. I didn't know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a girl. I've touched dicks before. Like, I, <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a. What do you mean? Like, it's not. It's not an outlandish scenario. It's just kind of. It's just kind of. It is, it is disrespectful. It's incredibly yeah. disrespectful. I'm not taking away from this because it's terrible. No, it's you know what? Holy shit. I, I liked Randy's dick a lot more like 10 years ago. Yeah, vintage. it was it was a lot lighter, you know, at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. Uh, Do you think it would have been a bad thanks, thanks, move? <laughs> <laughs> is it embarrassing if you shake his hand then? Like if you just take it willingly? Uh, or is that the move? You're just like I don't care about your dick, Rand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's I guess the I'd, move. I'd probably have to shake his hand. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but I don't want it. That's the power move is to just be unshaken by anything. Yeah, right? I guess that's the thing. Including bad booking, which we'll probably see a lot of this weekend. <laughs> but, uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for stopping Thanks, by the house Caitlin. party. Always a treat to talk to you. Always. Thank you, guys. It's good to talk to you as well. Enjoy the pay-per-view, and probably more so TakeOver, which will probably be the better of the two evenings this weekend. That's true. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not so sure. Really? Well, we can do this later. I'm not, I don't know. Does this not feel like the, the most cooled off takeover of the last four? But did, don't we always say that? Don't we say that no. every single time? Like, <laughs> no, no really I, I feel like I'm not really into NXT No, you right say now. that because takeover you, like, brings no. the goods consistently. You're saying we. You mean you because you I, don't watch no, it. No, I'm saying I'm always like, like, I'm so fired up. The, the culture at large, it oh, seems sure. like the narrative before every takeover is like, 
don't know about this one. Ah, this is going to be the one where they fall on their face, I think. I don't think they're ever going to fall on their face. The talent's too high and the brevity's too good. But I, I don't feel the hype for this one like I do did certainly for, for War Games or even the, the Mania Weekend one. Well, just one man's opinion. Granted, he has the best taste, but just <laughs> just one man's opinion. Caitlin, you're the best. Thanks for coming on. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. bye. Round two. Fight. Our next guest at the house party here, Josh. Yes. Oh, what else could he bring to the table except a pair of shrimp rings? The man loves <laughs> shrimp rings. I love that he loves shrimp rings, and I love when he's here. It's the Zoobs. It's our boy, the Zoobs. The Zoobs, welcome back to the show. I hear you've been great. discharged from witness protection since we last spoke <laughs> to you. I'm so happy that whatever danger you were in at the time seems to have blown over, and welcome back. It seemed like it sounded like I was being taken hostage underwater. Like I was not only <laughs> not only voice modulated, but I was in the deep sea. Well, that's too many episodes of Twenty Four that you know that reference. <laughs> or the, the great underwater hostage Jack had to get out. Oh, insane situation! I've never seen the show. I just assume that's. You oh, know, that was every episode. Yeah, yeah just yeah. They, have they to had have an underwater set, and they spent all the money on it. it was like, well. <laughs> We're not, gonna not, <laughs> we're not going to not take hostages, though, who built the set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zoops, are you excited for SummerSlam? Well, can, can we say that? Are you excited to watch SummerSlam this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pillar event. I mean, it's, it's one of the big four, like three and a half. I don't know. It depends on your uh, opinion of the fourth one. But, yeah, it's, you know, it officially sort of – I'm always of the view that, like, WrestleMania to now is – the closest thing you're ever going to get to an off season, like nothing that happened in the last few months matters a whole ton, but you get a ton of stuff that's happening here that we've waited a long time for. And, and maybe some stuff that should have happened a while ago is going to get resolved here. So um, that's always exciting. And it always feels like uh, sort of your season opener. So I, this is how I always see it. Every year I sort of come and go in, in waves and, and that sort of spring, early summer is usually when I'm not, as plugged in as I normally am. Yeah, it seems like Vince McMahon's give a shit meter kicks up once NFL season starts to start up because he's like, oh, I've got competition on Monday nights again. You would think that he would be inspired to really dominate when there's nothing going up against him in the summertime, <laughs> yeah. but suddenly maybe it's like the, the Monday Night Wars juices start flowing again, except his closest competition is Monday Night Football, which is absolutely going to destroy him week after week for <laughs> the foreseeable future, and maybe that's why he's like, well, I can't get too badly beaten here, despite the fact that we did see the lowest rated Raw of all time. At one point last month. Yeah, that was, what, last month? Yeah, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what this NFL season has in store for us. But, yeah, they're... yeah they have the, whole, the whole roster should come out and stand for the anthem every episode. Just be like, <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this. We're going the other way. I, I love the, the turning convention on its head. That McMahon, he's always two steps ahead. Just you know? a three-hour anthem also. <laughs> the entire show is the anthem. I love it. Jinder Mahal, though, gets to kneel. That's it's America's the... favorite song, really. Is it really? Well, who doesn't love? You know what? When I'm looking for something that I want to put on to kick back and relax or just a nice little tune sure. to take my mind off my troubles, I always choose the Canadian National Anthem. It's I don't Do you like our anthem, guys? Let's start with you, Zoobs. Do you like the Canadian Anthem? Man, you <laughs> open it up for a heel turn right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I I don't think that Oh boy. I don't mind it. Like okay. I don't 
I get, I, unlike Justin, I don't, I don't listen to it in my spare time. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, let me ask you to do some power rankings real quick, yeah. all right? There we go. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, one to three, the Canadian <laughs> National Anthem, the American National Anthem, Anthem Sports and Entertainment. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys are know because you're internet wrestling guys that the new talking point is that Impact is actually good now, right? Uh, yes, of course. We like it. That's that's, that's what everyone says. Uh, American National Anthem goes number one for me. That thing, it's, a, it's got a lot of like action in it. It kills. Um, and I'm proud of Canada for changing the lyrics to our National Anthem. I thought that was cool. Me too. I go in. I go impact number three just for the lack of Billy Corgan. I think that's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So the NWA. Now we have to do a power rankings of different NWAs, but uh, we won't get into that. Only one that has Billy Corgan. Uh, do you feel like your interest is going to tick up here? You mentioned it there uh, that it will because it's getting back into the time when wrestling sort of matters again. But of course, like I think we're all kind of assuming right now, Zoobs, that like. This is finally it. We are long mm-hmm. international nightmare of Brock Lesnar as universal champion is going to be over. And no matter what you think of Roman Reigns as a wrestler or as a champion, ultimately this has to be better than what we've been dealing with for the last year and a half. Yeah, it feels like one way or the other. Even if it's not Roman, like maybe Strowman, like I, I don't know. I feel like one way or the other uh, we're resolving that. I think it's time. And you sort of... I don't know though, because that's the thing is like, how many times have we fallen for the yep. Brock is leaving for UFC thing? Like at four? Le- I was gonna say at least three times. Like that you were certain, right? I think Strowman though presents the same problem as Brock. I mean, less so in that he's around to be on television and do cool things, but also like just this guy that they have presented as being so far above everything like, unbeatable to anyone save for Roman Reigns. It's like, I am done with a main title division where the entire division only has two people in it. Like, enough of this. The thing that was great about wrestling back in the day that I loved is that, like, there were eight guys that could hover around that scene at any given time that you could pull the trigger on. And right now, like, if we're going to include Braun as one of those guys, it's like, there's three, and this is not a way to book a company. They should do a 18-day 20-wrestler tournament, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if the WWE... It'd be so it? easy is the thing. Like, it's... A block goes Monday, B block is Tuesday. Like, you could do it. That's literally two months. Yeah. They have shows every week. I cannot believe how good of an idea, how into this I would be if they just announced that going into, I don't know, let's even say Survivor Series. It was like, it's a tournament for this belt. Oh, it would be... Oh my god! Uh, let me let me throw this at you, Zoobs. Though we talked about this, we kicked this around a bit on the show last week. I feel like the best way to close this show is with Kevin Owens as Universal Champion. That, that's another one. I've I've you're not the first person that suggested that, and I think I mean, listen, we're all Canadian white guys. Like, we, we, you have to like Kevin Owens. We have to want Kevin Owens to win. It's like the rule. <laughs> He's our avatar on screen. He's our Stone Cold for people who think everything sucks. Like, yes. <laughs> You just mentioned that they changed the Canadian national anthem. They actually changed it to be about Kevin Owens. That's a of little more fact for our American <laughs> listeners out there. I, is, there the is there a chance that we get uh, Roman Reigns holding the Universal title on Sunday at the end of Sunday to cheers? Is there a way they can achieve this on Sunday? If this was their ultimate goal all along, so we assume, can they get there on Sunday? 
I'll throw to you first, Subes. I want to believe that. I want to believe that. I think, I don't know, like, all the talking points are so old, but there is also the counter thing of, like, Seth had that period where he was sort of floundering and they took a next step. It looks like Dean's taking a next step. When is, like, Roman Reigns going to get his own entrance music? When is he going to ditch the shield, like, outfit? Like, I feel like he needs to distance himself from that a little bit because because you guys are hanging out without him anyway like you're not even hanging out with the shield guys if you're doing a shield thing i don't know i i believe they can i would i would have him do come out with different music and different attire on sunday well i mean i think a, a large portion of and i mean smart fans on the internet anyways are expecting a dean ambrose heel turn if not on sunday then maybe on monday like certainly pretty quick here uh would it be better in the grand scheme to just finally pull the trigger on Roman and have him be the guy to turn heel? Because it seems like there's more baby faces that are you could line up to face him than there are heels, really. Has anybody like suggested to you guys that Dean Ambrose is the new Paul Heyman guy? Has that been? I I tweeted that out on the top mark. That was account. you. Yeah. I was gonna say somebody saw that. I saw that somewhere. <laughs> That's to me that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he has to do something, and and Dean is like. Now that he had one day where he came back and looked really strong, he jacked to the nines, he's shaved his head now, and he has the power of, like, accepting who he is. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. Like, uh, it would make sense to me to, to pull that trigger, but they sort of are, there's this weird period we're in where they love to set up things that are obvious just for the sake of swerving us, which is it's how you sort of do it modern times. But I think, I think Roman versus Dean has some money behind it personally i think this is a kind of interesting pay-per-view though in that like i think wrestling uh gets criticized a lot for being too predictable once you've watched it enough you sort of know the beats and where things are going and why bother watching when you already know what's going to happen this is like that rare pay-per-view where like never mind the rest of the card we talked earlier with caitlin about whether or not you know uh Samoa Joe could walk away as the WWE champion. There are a ton of question marks lower on the card, but just this main event alone with Brock and Roman, like there are essentially five different ways that this can go, and I have no idea which one of them it's going to be, and that is a very rare situation to find ourselves in here in 2018. It's very it's nice. Refreshing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's totally refreshing because you have so many balls in the air, and especially as it pertains to Brock and Roman, it's always just felt like sort of a, a two-way street. It's this or it's that. I, I'm thinking most likely thing on Sunday, not, not full prediction, but just right now, I think you see Dean help Seth in his match, and then you see Seth and Dean help Roman against Brock, and the shield stands tall at the end of the show. I think that's Does probably that end with a double dirty deeds to both of them, though. I, I think they stick with the parallel. They broke up on uh, Raw last time. I very much think they'll save it for the night before and let the, them go off air in sort of a happy moment. I'd love if they didn't, and he does hit a double dirty deeds. But like you say, the beauty of it is that I really could see it going numerous. I don't think the Kevin Owens thing is totally off the table, to be honest. I mean, SummerSlam always seems like the point where you want to set the table for a heel to be having the upper hand for the foreseeable future until WrestleMania, right? Sure, yeah. So in some ways, it's like giving me the Roman Reigns moment that should have happened at WrestleMania here doesn't really make sense for where we're going to go going forward. Unless, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe setting the table for that on Raw the next night is fine. But I think you are yeah. probably better served by doing that on the pay-per-view, personally. Zoobs, what do you think? I mean, that that shield stands tall. Is, that's basically the only way you guarantee to get Roman cheers at the end. For sure, but and then if Dean turns on him, does Dean end to cheers there? I think probably, probably right. Yeah. To see him. 
the music hits, people are like, yes, and they they're gonna they're gonna cheer Roman losing if it happens. Yeah, you might be right there that that like this is the only way to get not just the visual but also the audio that mm-hmm. they have been chasing now for the better part of four years is to do just like a happy shield going off the air together as champions moment. And I mean, it's funny. We talked about this on the show last week. This is literally what we thought would be the finish to SummerSlam a year ago. A a year has gone by and literally we are predicting the exact same finish here. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably, that's probably right. Because like, what is the point of all of this? If you don't get that Roman coronation moment at some point, right? I mean, yes, and you built the shield up to be everything that they were, and, and the, we were, if I'm not mistaken, they were running with the reunion before Dean got hurt. Yeah, we never got that reunion match. They had to slide so. Kurt Angle in as the de facto shield member uh, there. Uh, yes. Uh, but speaking- now, I, I can almost point to that, as, honestly, as like the moment that I really dropped off considerably. <laughs> in- <laughs> well, it's, it's very that understandable. Whole, that whole pay-per-view, I was sort of, it, that slap in the face for like, well... Everything's a house show now. Like everything, like Raw is a house show. Pay per views are house shows. Like anything yep. can happen at any point. It doesn't have to make any sense. Like to me, that was very much to me. I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, like what am you, I doing with my time? Did you watch the main event of that show? Do you remember <laughs> with Angle in the Shield? Oh, I feel like I did. I don't. I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened other than the entrance at the top of the stairs. Like that's the only thing I remember right. from that. If it helps you feel like that was the right time to take a divorce, it was just such an insultingly booked match where the the heels had Roman as beat up as they needed him and just weren't going for the pin for like ten minutes. They just continued to beat him up. Oh yeah, I remember it was now. it was jarring. This is where this is where like Kane and Braun started their feud in that match. That's right. right yeah. Now well, I the remember tra- the trash compactor thing. Yes, exactly. Nightmare. My Literal main yeah. my main takeaway from that whole thing though was like just Kurt looking like an uh, overaged Make a Wish kid, like <laughs> making the entrance in the tactical vest through the crowd and everything. It's like, wow, Make a Wish really pulled all the strings for this one. You know, uh, Justin, edit this out, but uh, do you know if they do that? Like, if you're sick enough, could I or any someone <laughs> enter with the shield? If be, like, be the mystery partner when someone comes down with mumps two days before a pay per view. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, do you think if I got sick enough, that would be on the or anyone yeah. that would be on the table well maybe if you had mumps okay and you could give it to whoever you wanted to replace so on the that's show. the first step yeah, that's the trick there okay well there you go <laughs> terminal mumps <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> die from all these mumps uh zoops though speaking of kurt angle someone who yeah. of course eventually leaned in and embraced their natural uh lack of follicles let's say yeah. Let's the, let's segue the, over the to the fortitude. <laughs> let's segue over to the pre-show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or I assume this is on the pre-show. It has to be, right? The revival? No, I mean there's some lack of follicles on that team as well. But, but t- uh, tell me what match they're gonna have. Oh, Baron Con- Corbin? Constable Corbin. No main card. Main card. I know. What? Unbelievable. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> this match shouldn't even be on the show. It's a raw match. I agree. F- I made that point. I fully agree with you. But uh, you know, uh, how do you feel about Baron Corbin now that he's finally leaned into hashtag yeah. Cobalt? Get that sizzle in the background too. It's like hey. heating up. Oh, yeah. um, smells good. Uh, your takes, hey. your takes, better match that heat. I'm telling you right now. I will say this, and, and anybody who out there is listening to this as a bald man, I think will agree with me: is he should be holding a title in the next month. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, there's no question about it. No question. Because, because of his embracing of being bald. There is nothing more refreshing and that gives you more like sense of self than when you have spent. I would say he struggled with that probably for a year, maybe a year and a half. But the last six months were probably especially tough. Aiden English, same thing. He should be. He should have like a third tier title of some sort. But <laughs> when you decide that you are okay with it. And you go from, how am I going to wear, or I can't go swimming because it looks bad wet, or right. all the things that plague men who are on the cusp. When you have the day where you get the clippers out, and you say, you know what, I'm not even going to wear a hat. I'm just going to be bald and walk around bald. There's no confidence that can be generated like that in your life. Wow. So I think, Dean, I think Dean is your next universal champion. <laughs> Constable Corbin, uh, the, the name is stupid, and the clothes like he could just dress the same and be bald. That's what uh, I didn't get. Can we talk about his dress for a second? Can we talk about yeah, how he dresses? I'm all in on the wearing slacks and a vest while he wrestles. I think it absolutely whips ass. I think it's it is it's so unmistakably an asshole move. I, I think it's perfect for Corbin. I, I'm glad that he's doing it. Just I don't know a bald guy wrestling in slacks. I'm wondering when we eventually get to the demon Aaron it's Corbin. <laughs> Do you remember when Corbin debuted in NXT and that's what people thought he was going to be? Was like he was going to be the next a monster? Kane? Yeah, they thought they like so many Kane comparisons out the gate. Super. I do remember people like counting during his matches to see how long they would. Go <laughs> oh yeah, for yeah. I, wow. I loved that too. Yeah, he felt like not. That's like forever ago, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, they're still counting. So they're counting anything- all the whole while. Is there anything else on the card you want to touch on, Zoobs, that you haven't gotten to say? Because uh, you know we love your takes around here. I feel bad because when you asked me this at WrestleMania, I picked, like, what a dud that match turned out to be. So what, like, what was your what choice? A, I, I tried to be cool and pick the tag match. Well, the tag match is going to be... <laughs> oh, that was so the bad. SmackDown tag. It barely <laughs> happened. Um, you know, I think we all have our smart cards. We all know that Daniel Bryan versus The Miz is the reason we're all of excited for this. Yes. It's going to be... That's, that's the kind of thing where... Like, oh, who would have thought that long-term storytelling gets people interested in it? Like, oh, yeah. what are the odds? Like, <laughs> I, I said this before on the show when they were finally – when Jericho and Owens finally had their breakup and it was very hot. And it's just like – you totally can understand why a pure baby face against a pure heel with no cool factor on either side does lead to the best feuds. And Daniel Bryan and The Miz is exactly that playing out in front of us. There's no gray lines. It's good guy and bad guy, and everyone's behind the one person. It's tremendous. Hey, we all remember the year-long journey that we've been on towards Constable Corbin versus Finn Balor <laughs> for the fourth <laughs> time. It does feel like this feud's been going on for a year. I, I actually I actually fully agree with that. But uh, to get back to what you said at Mania, though, Zoobs, I feel like if there is any WWE pay-per-view this year where the SmackDown tag division is finally going to get its due, it has to be this one, right? Like, the Raw, pre- the Raw tag match is on the pre-show, so it's the only tag title match on the show. Like, it, right. it has to get... Some time, right? Because otherwise, like, what has been this Bludgeon Brothers thing? Like, it seems like, you know, it's a cool gimmick on some level. It's worked a little bit better as time has gone on versus when it started. I'll certainly say that. But it seems like all of their matches are, like, eight minutes long. So... Yeah, I think you you touched on a good point, and I think... I hope they're able to pull it out, but the, the one thing that I think seems to be a bit of a... I don't want to get into like it's a booking problem and it's done better other places, but they and you sort of touched on it with Strowman is they have a hard time letting people look 
weak. Like, right, the, the Bludgeon Brothers have never looked, they never struggled. Like, you have to struggle in your matches to, even if you win, it's like, oh, they, they're fighting other top-quality guys. Like, the problem with the, with the Bludgeon Brothers for me is they've never struggled against anybody. All the matches are eight minutes, they tag in and out, they dominate, it's over. I think, I mean, New Day has been putting on top-level matches for as long as I can remember now. So uh, if anybody can do it, it'll be them. They deserve to have 15 to 20 minutes, but we're also looking at a 13-match card, so who knows? Yeah. Um, I want to believe. I also think Ronda Rousey should just truck Alexa Bliss. Oh, like, be I think like, she's going to. You're going to get 40 the, seconds the, double, the double-jointed arm break spot that Alexa did with uh, Becky Lynch years ago. That's coming back on Ronda's arm bar. I bet it's under five minutes. I'm looking forward to it, actually. But but speaking of uh, what you just said about Braun and uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, that's the big problem on Raw as well, is that they just uh, they don't let Authors of Pain look weak ever, I think, is the problem there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting chased out of the ring by Titus O'Neil, the <laughs> ultimate sign of strength. It's yeah, isn't it crazy? Like I don't know. It's 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 pretty wild. All these like there's people in NXT where you're like maybe I hope you don't get called up. Like maybe I hope these guys stay in NXT forever. And and same with people that want to see like the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega come over. You're right. Like maybe I just rather them like wrestle amazing matches for their entire lives. But I, I understand that it's a different company and it's a different sort of form of the entertainment. Right. It's it's. It's not the same. It yeah. really is. I mean, if you're if you're like Gallows and Anderson though, and you're looking at like all of the T-shirts that are in like Hot Topic and that sort of thing, like how do you not regret on some level coming into WWE, right? Like it seems like they sure. have to be doing better for themselves on some level, or at least feel more creatively fulfilled if they were not. But I, I, I also think you sort of get to the point where they were at where. Do they really care about being creatively fulfilled? Like, you know what I mean? The money's right. good, the travel's easy, you know when you're home. Um, it's not everybody's the same. Not everyone has the same goals, and not everyone views success in the same way. So it's it, different strokes for different folks. It's true. Carl does get to come home to his hot Japanese wife. Hot uh, Asian wife. That's right. With a smooth Asian skin. <laughs> right. I, I just want to go on the record saying I hope Velveteen Dream stays in NXT forever. I hope that there is no coming to the main roster ever. I hope they cryogenically so, freeze him at a certain point also. You know, here, here's, he might be the one guy that I think is bulletproof in that way. Really? Because, because even if Velveteen Dream comes up and it's not great, he, the guy, Patrick Clark, is so good at this. Mm. Like, it'll work no matter what with him, I believe. I, I just like, right. he's too impossibly good at this and he's too impossibly young and like, his gimmick could be anything, I think, is, is basically what Double Team Dream proves. Like, I don't think he's going to come up and be Tyler Breeze. And even if he comes up as Double Team Dream and that is Tyler Breeze, he is good enough to change gears and reinvent something even better. I just, I, he's like the one guy that I think is bulletproof. But I could be totally wrong. No, you know what? I fully agree, Zoobs. I, I don't, but I love the optimism. I've had the faith with Andrade Cien Almas as well, and I feel like that is slowly but surely being paid off right now. And to me, like, yeah, there's no question that that guy is just the biggest star imaginable. And, uh, fuck, yeah, I just I can't wait to see how they're going to screw it up because even if he is a success eventually, <laughs> you know they're going to screw it up initially. Of course. I mean, everything, like, Daniel Bryan wasn't immediately, the, like, you know what I mean? It happens to literally everyone. 
Uh, Zeus, before we let you go, I have to ask you one off-topic question, and I apologize. But is Tanahashi Omega the right call? Yeah, it is. It is. Can you explain why? Because I agree with you. Um, because uh, Naito had his chances. He just had he just had a bunch. Um, there's plenty of time to have Naito against Kenny. That's like that's not going away. Yep. Um, this is like and and the, sort of, I think everybody sort of everyone in the whole world was like, oh, Tanahashi's time is over. It's he's, he's his time has passed. Right? They got you. Like you got worked. Like, right. It's yes, not yeah. And passed. also, like man, that Okada match was great. He's amazing. He's he's Japanese Cena. He's unreal. I love Tanahashi. I, I'm very very happy with <laughs> and, that result. And not only that, people pushing for the Abushi wins so that it becomes like Golden Lovers explode at Wrestle Kingdom. It's not time for that. Like they're still that's, that's in the going, middle. That's not going anywhere. That's like, not going anywhere. Like none of these things are going anywhere. Well, yeah. Kenny might be going to WWE. You never know. He would, uh, he would not leave without doing that angle. I, I, I know. Totally I agree. fully trust that as well. And you know what, Zoobs? I'm going to agree with your take after you gave it instead of before because I thought that was pretty bold stuff from Joshua over here. What did I do? You were like, explain, because I agree. <laughs> yeah. It was that, I'm not a broadcaster, is that bold? I don't know, I don't know fuck all about this game. Hadn't heard Hadn't heard what the take was, hadn't even heard the reasons. No, Coming from a man I, I trust. No, I asked him, I said, is it the right decision? Because so many people are complaining all about right, this being the right. Wrestle Kingdom event. No, I agree also that it is. Yeah, you watched fun. one G1 match, here he is I talking watched shit. more than one G1 How match. How many? How many G1? Probably like five. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You're the right decision. That's, that's where it starts. I, I'm, I'm shocked at how much I watch this year. I'm unemployed, though. So, I mean, I'm, I, like, I probably watch 70, 75 matches. Ridiculous. Yeah, Ridiculous. Man. See, at least you're channeling your energies into a good place. When I was unemployed, I was watching superstars main event <laughs> you know, literally anything i could get my hands on how much lower can the stakes be in my life yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Zoops, but i feel like we could talk to you for another hour absolutely always i don't want to i don't want to take up the whole show no always oh, a treat having God. you pop by uh, and we'll be in touch we'll see you again I'm you sure. are so funny absolutely fellas have a great time thanks Zoops. Take do. Soon, enjoy man. the weekend you too. Round three, fight! Oh, and our next house guest here at the at the SummerSlam house party, Josh. Uh, I've heard of the boss, Sasha Banks. Yes, yes. Uh, but, but the boss, James Sabolski, <laughs> from the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650? <laughs> my, my own kind of, uh, I don't know, do you consider myself yourself as my boss? I sort of see you as one in a, in a way, James. That might be well, thank you. I don't think I've ever been seen as anybody's boss before, but it was funny because you had kind of referenced me what about uh, – am I allowed to kind of mention like about six weeks ago at the Canucks uh, yeah, summer yeah. series? On my, and on, you're on, on miserable date. Oh, it's well documented. Oh, I thought it was a good – it was, was a, a great start, date. It was a great date. It just it eventually ended badly. It fizzled out. It fizzled out. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Well, like all great what? dates. Like a, yeah, like all, a, good, all, all great things must come to an end, as they say, right? <laughs> like a WWE feud uh, yes. that left me wanting more in the end. Fair, fair, yes, exactly. Fair. There, was no, there was no closure. There was no blow-off match, essentially. Right? Exactly. Uh, and there's no double entendres in that one either. So. Done whatsoever. <laughs> no, but you referenced me as your boss uh, at the time, and I'm like, what? I'm not a boss. I'm just, we're, we're co-workers, man. We're, we're on the same team. It's because I we're live in fear of you. That's why. Oh. 
Oh, yeah, it must be the shoulders of yeah. mine. You can make or break me at any time. So, you know, I walk yes. on eggs. Well, yeah, I've got, you know what? I've got a pipeline to management. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like the Randy Orton of the office. Oh, no. This, James, don't do this to yourself. You seem like a yeah. lovely man. James, I have to ask you, even as uh, Justin's not-quite-boss, how is Justin yeah. as a not-quite-employee? What is it like working <laughs> with Justin? This is this is fascinating to me. I, You know, I, I will say this. Justin, Justin's got some skills, man. No he's, doubt. He's got some passion he he reads up on stuff he's he is engaged on social media i think we just got to work on his uh on his alarm clock which i think <laughs> might be fixed now yes we but, corrected but, this problem but, but but i but i feel like uh you know what i i think his heart's in the right place there's no so, doubt about it you know I'll, I'll say this i remember when i was i'm gonna say i was about 21 or 22 and i was relatively young in the business and I remember there was like a transit strike in Ottawa and I was working in this newsroom and I, they were like, hey, look, there's a transit strike. Like, this is a big deal. But there was a WWE house show coming to town and it was like, I got plans, man. I, I got these tickets. Like, I got to go. And, and I remember, like, I remember my boss, um, at, you know, kind of, hey, we need you to be on call and this and that. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not available. Like, I'm, I'm out, you know. For wrestling, and, I'm not available. Yeah, basically there was a house show and and I remember, you know, and it was like, okay, fair enough. And and then like my I kind of got crickets like there were no calls for, hey, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. And finally <laughs> after finally after about a month or two it was like, uh, hey, what's going on here? The the shifts are kind of drying up and they were kind of like, well, you know what? Your givenish meter is uh, Oh no. You know, well, we don't really, you know, we kind of question your work ethic here, and uh, and it was like, and I, and I, you know, I kind of got it, right? Like, you know, I, I put the good times and prioritized, like, you know, and it was like, this was an opportunity, right? And they were looking at me to say, okay, well, where, where's your at? Where are you at? And it was, I was a young guy at the time, and I should have realized that sooner, and kind of had to dig down a little deeper to kind of earn some respect, but at the same time, like, I think it was a sign of, like, I don't know if they'll ever fully look at me differently after that. And, you know, uh, I ultimately had to go catch a break elsewhere to really kind of grow up. But it was but it was a good lesson. But it was a good lesson, right? Like, it was a good wake-up call for me at the time where I put wrestling uh, – you know, first and foremost. So oh, man. I, I don't, don't know if that makes I don't know if that makes any sense. But it does. My heart was in the right place, but not necessarily my head in the right place I, in those days. I hope it was a good house show then at the very <laughs> least. You know? you know what? It was you know what? It was a house show. It was uh, there was a heel versus heel match between oh. Austin and Triple H. Whoa uh, at that time. And I'll never forget it. They were goofing around at the house show and Austin started and i remember at the time there were a bunch of the wrestlers kind of sat in an empty section in the arena in the corner and our, my buddy and i were like basically just totally marking out buying beers for these i was a huge <laughs> ron like i was a huge ron simmons guy he this was farouk awesome. at this point right yeah and and he's sitting there and it's for it's farouk it's rikishi it's bart gun and oh. uh, just and and aldo montoya uh Holy just incredible shit. the poor the portuguese man we're, we're sitting there and you know and austin you know, they're at this house show, they're working their asses off, Austin kicks out, and he starts hulking up. Like, he does the whole no-sell, he's shaking, you know, the whole, like, the three punches, the boot, drops the legs, the crowd's going crazy at the Bob Gerte Arena on the holes on the, uh, in Gatineau, on the Quebec side of, of Ottawa, and the crowd's just going crazy, and he gets the one, two, and Hunter kicks out and all that, but it was... 
it was so funny. And I remember the guys were all kind of sitting there talking about like, it was like, you know, they were, I can't believe he's doing this. This is so hokey. They're kind of laughing. It was half of them are laughing. Half of them are rolling their eyes. Um, but it was crazy, man. Listening to these guys kind of lift the curtain on their, on their life. Like, no kidding. Uh, if, if you guys remember Aldo Montoya, he had a feud back in the kind of the mid nineties with, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler. Okay. And, uh, are we allowed to cuss on this? Oh yeah, go for, Absolutely. It. Go for it. Yeah. We okay. Encourage it. So, so there's this moment where Aldo Montoya or just incredible. He's like talking about how, Oh, you know, uh, I beat uh, I beat Jerry Lawler one one week on Raw, and they give me no time to celebrate, and they send me right to the back. And then a week later, he kicks my ass, and he's pouring booze down my face, and I look like an idiot, and it's not fair. And and I just remember when Ron Simmons with his low tone voice just going, "That's bullshit, man. You get <laughs> fucked around." It was awesome. It was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing because Ron Simmons was like one of my favorites at that point in time. That's so rad. Well, I was going to say, we were sort of talking about this this morning, you and I, James. Uh, mm. You know, you're talking about uh, uh, interviewing some wrestlers uh, in, your, in your sports broadcasting, uh, in a sports broadcasting capacity over the years. Do you have yeah. any, like, run-ins in particular uh, in kind of a, in a work uh, interview um, kind of sense that stand out to you uh, over, over the years? Uh, you know what? A, a million of them, like a oh. million of them, because I've been very lucky to 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 kind of have these. Uh, so I'll tell you a quick one that stand. I was a huge Ricky Steamboat fan, and and got to interview Ricky Steamboat for a half an hour, which I was just like, oh my god! Like I was fanboying out in my mind the whole time. Uh, he was just setting up for a house show, uh, and he was working as a producer or an agent uh, backstage, and uh, they made the time. It was it was awesome. Just listening, tell stories, but Hulk Hogan. I had a chance to sit oh. down with him when he had a book come out in about t- late 2009. And they gave us time, and I was working at TSN at the time, and he came in for like at like 8 o'clock in the morning for a sit-down interview in the Sports Center newsroom. And, you know, he gets out, he pulls up in the vehicle. He had blown off a bunch of interviews because apparently he was sick. But, like, the black sedan pulls up. And he gets out, and he's got the black bandana, and he's got the shades, a big leather jacket. It's you know, oh, kind of it's man. winter time here in Toronto. And he gets out, and all of a sudden, I'm like, twelve year old me is like, holy crap, it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and he walks in, and like, I'm gonna greet him in the main lobby, and I got my suit on, and I'm like, hey, Hulkster, and he's like, first thing he says to me is. Hey brother, is there a to- is there a toilet around here? <laughs> like that's the first thing he says to me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, right there. Thanks. Uh, what and a then, great uh, exchange. Yeah, we we proceeded to have a, a really good conversation and and kind of talk. You know, he referenced uh, a story about how he uh, he contemplated suicide, and this is in a, his book from about ten years ago after his divorce. And, and, uh, and I, you know, he kind of talked about having the gun in his hand and I remember asking him, I said, if, what would have happened to the business if you would have gone through with it? Because there's a lot of guys like, hmm. let's face it. I mean, as wrestling fans, we've seen a lot of good stars die way too soon. And, you know, I said, you know, you were kind of the guy like Hulk Hogan, whether you like him or not, like Hulk Hogan was wrestling. Like he's like, he was probably one of the most recognizable people on the planet at one time, 30 years ago. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I said to him, I said, what would, what would have happened if you would have done it? Like what would have done to the business? And, and he, he kind of stopped and he was, he was like, you know, I never really thought about it before, but he goes, it, 
I don't know if it would have killed the business, but it probably would have put it in a really bad light because that was also about a year after the Benoit tragedy. Yeah. And could you imagine? But like Hulk Hogan, I mean, that was the guy who was, you know, he preached everything good. Like that guy was as close to a real life superhero for a lot of people at one time 30 years ago. Yeah. To you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and uh, eat a bullet. Eventually, also would probably yeah. put a, put a I'll give, on things. I'll give you. I'll give you two other stories, uh, real quick. Uh, Rick Flair uh, oh, promoting his go. autobiography about uh, twelve years ago, and he was going back and forth with Bret Hart, ripping on each other. And I remember saying something to ask him about Bret Hart, and he just said, "You know what? I spent more money on spilled liquor than Bret Hart spent on his clothes." He said this to you? <laughs> yeah. He told wow. Me he, like it was like a total shoot promo. Oh, dude, and, that uh, is—you'll never forget that. I bet. No, never. And and then after the interview, I had remarked to him there was a line in the book where he had gone to Puerto Rico, and uh, they said, you know, he wanted somebody to kind of have his back to go down there. It was still a little dodgy. He felt in those days in the early '80s. He said, you know, they gave me five thousand U.S. And I had Roddy Piper, they, they flew Roddy Piper with me, and they gave him a spittoon of cocaine as his payment. <laughs> and, and, and I said, you know, that's a pretty funny line in that book. And he, and he looked at me and he just said, you know, man, he goes, I was a liquor guy. That was my vice. He goes, I wasn't a chemical guy, but he goes, nobody out partied Roddy Piper. He goes, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Keith Richards. Nobody out party Roddy wow. Piper. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I that was just kind of off, you know, off the air uh, sort of moment. It was pretty cool. I'll never forget those two moments with Ric Flair. Well, speaking of uh, wrestlers kind of passing away before their time, we of course had one come down while we were on the air this week, James, uh, with Jim the Anvil Neidhart uh, passing away. It's a little bit before my time personally to have any memories of the Anvil uh, outside of kind of. Uh, the Hart Foundation in 97, and even that I've only seen by going back to watch something like uh, Canadian Stampede on the network after the fact. Like, what are your uh, kind of anvil memories of somebody growing up watching in that, that time period? You know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised at how much mainstream coverage that got. Yeah, I was you know, well. You know, Jim, Jim, Jim Anvil Neidhart was never a top guy. But, you know, from a pop culture standpoint, he obviously resonated for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I will say this. In the mid-80s, you know, there was a great run of tag team wrestling. He had the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, Demolition, the Killer Bees. Yeah, I, would, I was a huge Can-Am Connection guy that yeah. ultimately morphed into Strike Force, uh, you know, not long after. But, uh, but you look at... The Hart Foundation has to be considered one of the top five tag teams ever. And, you know, I think you got to include teams like the British Bulldogs have to, you know, I don't know if they had the longevity necessarily. Obviously, the Road Warriors got to have that sort of respect. Mm -hmm. um, but, man, there was so much depth in the tag team division. The Rougeos, you know, the Brain right. Busters are Arn and Tully more, more defined from NWA stuff, but... I would totally put the Hart Foundation because they had such contrasting styles. That's right. And the Anvil was probably an underrated promo guy. And, and I think you appreciated it more as people started mentioning. Like, he had a maniacal laugh. You know, Ted DiBiase's laugh was part of his theme music, so it resonated for a lot of people. But the Anvil's laugh was, it was defining. He had a defining look. He had a menacing goatee. That guy, if you would describe a human being that looked like an Anvil... Jim Neidhart looked like it. Like, you couldn't have found, like, what a great gimmick. It's a and, perfect nickname. 
Oh, you know what? Big, thick, strong. Like, that guy looked like you couldn't hurt that guy. And, you know, he was kind of the muscle, and Bret Hart was kind of the technician. And you looked at how it works, like the contrasting styles where Bret Hart was the bumping guy. He was the one who sold and, and worked all the technical elements. And then, you know, you brought in the muscle where Neidhart came in and, you know, a powerful guy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm glad to see him get recognized the way he did because I think he seemed he was such a mid-card guy at the time of the Attitude Era and the rise with the whole Heart Foundation feud with Austin and, and DX and all of it. But, boy, in the, I'll tell you what, in the late 80s, you know, the Heart Foundation, they consistently for a good five years plus were top guys as tag teams in a very, very deep division. Well, James, uh, we'll wrap up by kind of touching on the pay-per-view this weekend. It is a SummerSlam house party that we're having here, ostensibly. <laughs> uh, and I know you and I talk about wrestling all the time, and, and it's mo more when, when you're talking about things, it's like, oh, I caught the, the main event the other night. This is, we're looking at on Sunday, basically a six-and-a-half or seven-hour show, all told, from pre-show to the very Too end. Too long. As somebody with kids and, you know, all kinds of responsibilities, like, does the bloat just sort of, like, kill your enthusiasm for these I hate shows? it. I hate it. Amen, it, they're, they're too long. Like, it's – here's what I would say. Quality, not quantity. And, and it's great that – I mean, look, from a network standpoint, you can run it as long as you want. But, like, I would be exhausted as a fan going – like, I'll give you an example. I went to WrestleMania in 2015 at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. Uh, that was the main event of Roman and Brock won. And so that's Daniel Bryan and the winning the Intercontinental title on the ladder match. And, and the best RKO of all time. Yeah, the phenomenal RKO and, and the Bray Wyatt Undertaker. But like that, like over the course of the weekend, I went to a Ring of Honor show on the Friday. That was three hours. Uh, then, I, then I wound up sneaking over to NXT and caught the last hour of that show. And then it was, uh, and then on the, and that within the Saturday, I go over to the hall of fame and that was four plus hours. And then WrestleMania, I think I got there at three and, and it wrapped up like after eight o'clock and it was just like, Oh, you're not staying for the raw. I'm like, I'm exhausted, man. Like I have OD'd on wrestling watching like 15 hours in three days. Like I'm done. And, you know, I, I just, I look at this now, I turn on the TV, you got, you give me an hour or two pre-show, and then these matches that just go on and on and on and on. It's just, you know, there was a time, and I understand it's a different business now, but you could get 12 matches in three hours. And I know some guys would complain that, oh, you know, you can't do enough in, in 10 minutes or whatever, but... You know, I think there were still ways to tell a really good story in those days at a certain time. And, you know, give the main event matches the appropriate time. But it's just, it's too much. And there's nothing different that you haven't really seen. It's very rare that you see something new. And so that's where I, I just feel like there's a fatigue for these pay-per-views now. I just would love to see them condensed a little bit um, because a four-hour event, like, how many times have we seen at WrestleMania's now the crowd is exhausted by the main event? 
There's the crowds are always flat, and I know people just want to sit there and blame it on Roman Reigns, but I don't necessarily think it's Roman Reigns' fault. I think it's just the crowd is beat, man. Those guys have been there, and women for that matter, have been there for five freaking hours, if not longer, if not the full or seven longer, for yeah. the pre-show. You know, like that's it. Like, imagine going to a hockey, imagine going, like, think about it. Imagine going to a hockey game and sitting there for six hours. Are you going to be as fired up trying to do the wave and chanting, whatever, cheering your team on six hours after the game started? Yeah, it's no. It's like every wrestling pay-per-view goes to, yes. like, you know, seventh overtime, basically. You know? <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. It's no like, one's attention span is that epic moments Because it's rare in hockey. And it's, you know what, quality not quantity. That's the one thing I would preach to the WWE. Well, uh, are you going to catch more than the main event this weekend, or is it, you know, see see what's good? Are you planning on tuning in live at all? You know what? No, I'm not. I'm actually going up to Williams Lake on Sunday, so I will probably watch it when I go to bed, uh, and I'll just kind of scroll through. I think there's a lot of it that doesn't, and this sounds terrible. Uh, I don't want to sound like a hater, but there's a lot of it that I, I, it's almost like watching Raw now, right? Like, it's hard to watch Raw live, A, because of the commercials. No disrespect to my employers, but, you know. <laughs> but, like, you look at the amount of commercial breaks. And, and speaking of commercial breaks, on a side tangent, stop cutting to commercials in the middle of a match. James, this and is if, my if big you, point on the show all the time. It's nonsense. It makes no sense. I don't know what they're going for. Couldn't support you more here. You know what? Jim, Jim Ross makes this point all the time. You, you lessen the importance of the match. Unless you either have a moment where you stop the match. But here's an idea and a great way to maybe keep your advertisers happy. Split the screen. Like, do a smaller box yeah. and so people can see. SmackDown does do that from time to time when they yeah. break in the, in the middle of a match. But Raw uh, has no interest, I guess. I don't know why. Sort of well, weird. Money, 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 money talks, I guess. But it's just like... You're cheapening your product where it's like, titles on the line, we'll be right back. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, James, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know you've been asking for a little while, so it's a pleasure to really have you come by the pod here. And uh, it's always nice to I'm sure the only reason I even have a job right now on the morning show is that you finally have somebody who can talk wrestling with uh, that won't roll their eyes at you. And I appreciate well, that. Well, I, I am thankful. I'm, I'm thankful that my politicking paid off here. <laughs> Uh, to get on the show. <laughs> James, I hope our paths cross at one point in time. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good, Josh. You guys take care. Always helps to know the booker, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strongest man in wrestling. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, James. Great stuff. Cheers. Round four. Fight. <laughs> of course, it wouldn't be a top marks house party if we didn't invite back the man who is our most storied guest. Yeah. And by <laughs> that, I mean... We have the most stories to tell about him because he keeps coming back again and again and again. Every, the, the, the most frequent visitor to whatever studio we happen to be in, it is our friend, the professor of the problematic, Rob Russo. Rob, welcome back, and thank you so much for bringing the potato salad. Uh, that's so kind of you <laughs> to bring that yeah. to our house party. No problem. You know, I appreciate that I'm, I'm allowed to basically live on this couch um, <laughs> without paying rent or utilities. I know it's frustrating for you guys sometimes. No, we uh, only like it. Uh, <laughs> Rob, I have to ask you a non-wrestling related question out the gate. Uh, yeah. I feel like since you first came on this show, your profile has risen a great deal. Uh, whereas ours has remained completely stagnant, and at the top of this show, Justin told me we're less popular than ever. Does it feel? Does this show feel beneath you to come on at this point? 
No, not at all. And this was the first, the very first podcast that I ever did. Oh, Todd really? The, again, the number one wrestling podcast on planet Earth. <laughs> Thanks, so, man. Really, really, this was the launching pad for my whole uh, uh, crazy kind of ride that I've been on over the last like five or six months where all this kind of crazy stuff has happened. Yeah, it's so weird. You, I keep telling people no. that and nobody believes me. You, you just feel yeah. like you're riding the top marks wave right now. Yeah, exactly. I got that that top marks bump. Oh, because I feel like I'm being dragged out to sea by the top marks undertow. (laughs) (laughs) Some anchor. Rob, will you be watching any of uh, Takeover or SummerSlam this weekend? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have been pretty out of the loop with the wrestling stuff. I mean, like you know, I feel like WWE hasn't given me a lot to latch on to over the last five or six months. Like I said, I've had a bunch of crazy stuff happening mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like my own uh, life uh, being putting on, getting put on Fox news and stuff and having <laughs> started my own podcast. And I've kind of been like focusing on that. So I just haven't had a ton of time to devote to wrestling. And of course you're I a did... father. You have children and things to look after that. That's yeah. yeah but who cares about all that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, we, we figured we had to have you on coming into SummerSlam. Like Justin said, no way we could do a top marks house party without you. We need to talk about Dolph Ziggler, because this is something that us three have talked about in the past, and it feels like it would be uh, worth bringing up here. Where are you with Dolph Ziggler right now? Well, I, I'm really tense to that question. We need to rewind a couple years here, ah. right? <laughs> All right, no, right. But, Ju- yes. Justin, I think, I think you, might, uh, you might be with me on some of this stuff. When I got back into wrestling around 2011, 2012... Uh, Dolph Ziggler was my guy, pretty much. Yeah, and there was there was Punk and and Daniel Bryan, but and then it was Dolph Ziggler, and he was like he was kind of the homegrown guy, uh, a little bit less of a high profile as 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 those two, but I really latched on to his kind of sleazy uh, '80s heel style, his insane bumping, and just the fact that he never seemed to get quite that push that I feel like he he could have been able to knock out of the park. Mm. And I mean, his whole Money in the Bank run in 2012, this was before the WWE Network, I probably bought eight or nine pay-per-views that whole that year, just wow. in, spent an insane amount of money just because I wanted to see him cash in that, that Money in the Bank briefcase so bad. And when he finally did, it was like, that was one probably one of my favorite matches of, uh, of that year. I think it was 20, uh, 2013 uh, Raw. Correct. Yeah, you're, the you're def- mania. You're definitely speaking my language right now, Rob, because that is yeah. for sure the time period that I got back in and the guys who were my guys at the time as well, for sure. In fact, yeah, I, but- I would probably include like Randy Orton in that mix on some level oh. as well, just because he I, I just was absent <laughs> for his entire run. And when you come back in, like, right, he looks like a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. you know, like if you were to create your uh, a character in WWE 2K19 or whatever. If you're and the Ran- Ran- sports entertainer from scratch, it'd be Randy Orton. <laughs> and, well, and Randy Orton didn't exist. Like, he would probably look like Randy Orton on some level. That's but right. that's neither here nor there. What I do like, Rob, is that we've started this segment talking about Dolph Ziggler, and before we got into the nitty-gritty, you had to throw in a record scratch and drag us all the way back, which I feel is very, very fitting. But, yeah, no, I was super into that run as well. Obviously, the fact that he had, like, AJ and Big E at that time was a huge uh, help to his whole kind of character and profile as well. But hard yeah, no, not to be. Tremendous. That whole run was tremendous. And it was such – it felt like such a wasted opportunity when he won that title that it really felt like his time had come for, like, a, a, a push, like a genuine push. I was so excited about it. And then they had that that he got that concussion, got kicked in the head by Jack Swagger. Yeah, he had a really, I thought a 
one of my a really great match with Del Rio where he lost the title and they had that kind of double turn where he kind of officially turned face. Uh, I've heard a and lot then, of people call that the best Del Rio WWE match. I think it would be for sure. I mean, there were so many emotional stakes. Uh, you had he was just selling his ass off these brutal kicks to the head after his concussion. You had AJ kind of crying and selling the the sort of seriousness of it. And the announcers were doing their kind of like grave voices. Like it, 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 re- it was really a tremendous match. And then immediately just his career just went right down to, to doing nothing. They never <laughs> followed. Like he never got his revenge on Del Rio for, for that match. He got pushed back into kind of the mid mid card hell. They broke up that amazing team of him and AJ and, and Big E for no reason. And uh, I guess, and then I guess the other, the only other time he was even coming close to pushed after that was that Survivor Series, where I really thought like, oh well, now they're really gonna finally push him again. <laughs> no, nope. he looks like he looks like he's gonna be a big deal, and they really made such a big deal about his 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 performance in that match. And then again, no, nothing. So it's been like it's been really difficult for me to tr- to get involved in it, like emotionally invested in anything anytime that they've kind of suggested that they're doing something with him, just because I'm like, there's there's this is just not going anywhere. Uh, well, it's it's hard not to feel like he was being like punished on some level for suffering a concussion right when they wanted to do something with him. It's like, well, we had these plans for you, and then you got kicked in the head by this guy, so fuck you. Yeah, it's like, which well, is your fault, obviously. <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. I paid off Jack Swagger for that, just to be clear. <laughs> just so that's, I know that's been on the dirt sheets for a bit. But I will yeah, say... More like, more like jerk swagger. <laughs> hey, tell him! I, I will say, like, uh, the one thing that I have to credit him on is, like, I think the one stipulation that we all agree is kind of like a, a dead giveaway in terms of how uh, a, a match is going to go uh, is like title versus career. Right. And they yeah. did that with The Miz like two years yeah, ago. And it was great. Like, I, I've never believed that like, oh my God, this guy's career could be over on this false finish the way that I did with that match. And that like, yeah. there was all this talk that he could just leave and become like a kind of TV news political commentator and work in kind of entertainment and oh, he's uh, still a Fox a News commentator or pre- presenter on television or literally do anything outside of wrestling like the guy is charming and has a on-screen presence I think on some level uh, he has like the charisma of like something I hate yeah <laughs> <laughs> well no okay okay that's a perfect segue Josh there we go Let's talk about what Dolph Ziggler is doing right now yes because honestly like a lot of the, the changes they made to his look with the hair and everything, and it just looks—it's just awful, right? Just, <laughs> but for sure, the thing awful. is, like, it's—it's it's a heel run, right? Yeah. And I—I I tuned into, I watched the highlight of his segment on Raw mm-hmm. the night with his f- terrible hair and his suit, and I was just—I was looking at it, and I was like, "This is this is working for me." Ah, <laughs> you're in the JMO camp. This, what do you think? Because of it's just so—he's yeah. so awful. Like, it's not that even that I would watch him a match and want him to cheer it's like i genuinely i'm like i hope whoever he's wrestling just beats the shit out of him the hair is unbelievably heels it right out of the page of chris jericho like do an annoying hairstyle when you're heel (laughs) like it's a great move for me the big thing is like he can go like that's always been the thing can he is that his work rate is good it might not be great he might not be a seth rollins or an aj styles but like if you put him in the ring with those guys they are going to have a very good match and if you want to save like a money feud for rollins for a little bit down the line then a guy to kind of you know, spin the tires with for a little bit there in a way that won't feel like a time waster, 
Like, Dolph is perfect for that. I think Dolph was far above average in 2011 and is now about as low as I think you should be as a full-time main roster in-ring. Like, the, that's just a credit to how much the in-ring has improved in the past seven years. But I, I feel like he hasn't improved much, and people still view him in this way, where it's like, look at how ahead of the time he was then! And now I feel like, uh, we've done this, but if you name the people at the top of Raw and SmackDown, I think they're all better wrestlers than Dolph Ziggler. But, but I mean, do you think it's maybe possibly a question of motivation like it just seems mm. like he he's been living the same experience that we've all been kind of watching at question. what point in 2013 or 2014 does he just stop going well i'm gonna stop giving 100 percent every time and bumping my ass off for whoever i'm in the ring with because nothing really matters i'm not really being rewarded for my, my loyalty or the, the work i'm putting in so i think yeah. i think if he's in a situation where they actually like do something with him and they don't just like give up immediately and he's working with people that he's that are he's he can work in the ring with. Uh, yep. I don't know. I think, like I said, I, I haven't been watching a ton, but I am going to watch SummerSlam, and I am. I, I, I that's it. I, I I watched on Monday, and I thought, okay, this is. I'm I'm kind of into this here. Well, it feels like there is like a clear, long term direction for this Drew McIntyre thing, right? Like whether or not we can tell exactly straight out every little twist and turn that that story is going to take along the way there's at least like the the signs of a long-term story that will have wrinkles and twists and turns along the way being told with him as opposed to just like you're gonna wrestle kevin owens for three months and when that's over you're gonna wrestle dean ambrose for two months and like there's yeah, no here, sort of like, connective tissue to anything that he had been doing for a while before with that. Drew, with Drew, definitely, I I was quite into his NXT run. I don't know if this is controversial, but I I, I was pretty into his whole kind of like uh, you know workhorse babyface yeah uh, character that he came back as. So I did kind of feel like when he got called up to the main roster after his injury, um, that it did feel like a bit of a demotion. Like now he's kind of like second second fiddle to Dolph Ziggler, which is like. <laughs> Not not great, not but great. I think you're right though that it's like it's better that he's in this situation where they have a they're they have a clear plan of something to do with him, than to just like throw him into like oh he's back his Drew McIntyre is back and then just have him do nothing because like kind of what they did with Bobby Roode or even if he'd been like the big cast of Raw before Cass got fired obviously like that that probably wouldn't do him a great deal of favor to just kind of bounce around from one thing to another exactly like Bobby Roode or the 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 more problematic Bobby at this point is probably Bobby Lashley like McIntyre would not benefit at all from that because like look at literally anything outside of the main event picture that's below the level of this IC scene that we're talking about right now the whole thing is a fucking mess and like it's. I don't want either Dolph or Drew, no matter what you think of either of those two guys, to be kind of stuck at that level because they both are better than that. And obviously, there's guys who are stuck in that muck who are better as well. But you know, I, I think this is a good use of them. My question to you, Rob, is, uh, you know, if we can assume for a moment here that we will finally be released from the burden of Brock Lesnar as Universal Champion this weekend. Come on, then. Does it make sense for Dolph to hang on to this title as Dean and Seth kind of elevate to the main event scene and and Dolph and Drew kind of stay in the mid card? I bl- I think so. And I, like I'm kind of anticipating an a Dean Ambrose heel turn uh, <laughs> on Sunday cuz ever since they called him up, you know, he's I think he's done a great job with what he's been given. 
I've just been longing to see the psychotic heel oh, Dean Ambrose that I know is, is possible. And it's they like they know they have that in their back pocket. And I think now would be a perfect time to pull the trigger on that. And they've got a long history with Seth about their whole kind of back and forth relationship. They've got a story re- just ready to go there. And I think like I think if they can give him that opportunity to do that kind of a character, I know he's just going to like really knock it out of the park. And uh, that's what I hope we're going to see on Sunday. So yeah, I think that's probably my prediction for what happens is that uh, that title will stay with, with Dolph. And then those guys will probably go off to do their own thing, probably in more of a main event type situation, but maybe, maybe, maybe not, but I, I really, really hope we see psycho heel uh, Dean Ambrose because that's going to be really tremendous, I think. Well, could you stay into Dolph Ziggler if you're kind of feeling his vibe right now? If he wasn't working against somebody who's obviously like a clear-cut top star like Seth Rollins, if this icy feud, like the next step for him as champion is to do like a two-month program with, let's just say, Chad Gable. Like, is that still enticing on the level of what he's been doing for the last little while here? I think so, because because what I'm interested in in now with Dolph isn't like how in, in 2013 when I, I I genuinely liked him and I wanted to see him succeed. Now I don't want to see him succeed. Now I want to see people beat the, beat the shit out of him. Oh, finally. If you put him with, but that's it. I, I think he's, he's, he's really well suited for that role and he, he doesn't have that cool heel vibe anymore. He's just this sleazy piece of shit that you just want to see someone at, you know, uh, uh, take down finally. So I think that kind of character could be a really good launching pad for a guy like Gable to get more of a pop and get more of the crowd behind him because like you, you want to see people succeed against Dolph because he's such a slime ball. And uh, so I think, I think that could be a great role for him at just being kind of like the King of the intercontinental uh, championship mountain and uh, have a chance to throw maybe some different guys at him and to, to uh, work in their favor and kind of elevate, elevate some some burgeoning faces uh, i could even be a redemptive feud for like bobby lashley who i just talked about is just a fucking disaster at the moment R- rob before we let you go i gotta ask one thing you said you asked your you watched that closing segment to raw you watched Dolph ziggler you saw the hair on a scale from 10 to 11 how excited were you when you saw dean ambrose come out and now he's jacked uh, i was pretty excited i, I <laughs> like the new look yeah we're gonna say 10 point seven yeah that was about me except on a scale of one to five i mean does he not look incredible you said a heel turn i feel like he exited that stage as a heel like he he barely acknowledged steph he's or seth he stormed out he basically just hit his fist no eye contact no smiles i could not be more geared up for this dean ambrose do you, do you feel some sort of sense of optimism i know you said you've been waiting for it but do you think he's gonna be able to deliver on what you've been waiting for well if you've seen his indie work from some of the the the, the john moxley days some of the the really kind of dark shit that he was doing on the indies. The torture uh, man uh, promo comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, he, he's done some really great stuff, and he's he's they've never let him off the leash in any like anywhere near like what he's capable of delivering. And now he's got this really kind of a uh, little bit of a different look, like a little bit of a harder edge. Yeah, and like I said, if they let him go to that place. With someone like against someone who's really sympathetic right now, like like Seth Rollins, and and those guys click together so well in the in the ring as well. Uh, I absolutely think that he can he can kind of finally ascend to that that next level that we've always wanted from him. That he's never he's always kind of bumped into that kind of WWE glass ceiling, even if he has had 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 moments. He's never really gotten to the level that 
he's capable of, I don't think. I, I, I always think he can do it now. I always think of Dean as a guy who when he's put in the position to be the alpha dog, always delivers on the level and with the electricity of a top star. But if he's in a mid-card position, just doesn't have that same sort of shine for whatever reason. And maybe it's like you were just talking about Dolph. If he's not going to be in that position, then why am I killing myself if it's not uh, paying off or what have you? But I, I am excited because he is the one guy that for me, like consistently, if you're going to put him in a position to succeed will always succeed so this should be yeah great and it, stuff. Like, like we said it could be really cool to see him do something a little bit different than what he's been given to absolutely he's i mean if we kind of acknowledge that roman has been probably a heel uh at least in reception if not presentation for the better part of the last three years that at this point dean seems like the only guy in the shield left who hasn't gotten to have that post breakup heel run and if anything that's a long time coming now. That's more than four years at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rob, Rob before we let you go, you are uh, you are where I get all of my political takes from. Tell us a little bit about your new podcast and where people can find you online. Uh, yeah, you can find me online at Rob Rousseau. And yeah, I started a, a podcast this summer. It's called 49th Parahell. It's kind of a political podcast where I, I kind of give myself space to talk about uh, what's going on in the news in Canada, talk about what's going on in, in the news in America, uh, interviewed a bunch of really cool guests. And uh, yeah, so it, you can uh, you can check that out to SoundCloud and, and iTunes and all that good stuff. You can find the, the account on Twitter at 49th Parahel. And uh, yeah, that's that's all. And uh, I once again, I appreciate the the launch pad that I was given, the opportunity <laughs> I was given at Top Marks. I appreciate so you really, recognizing that. I keep telling people, you know, I I made him, I made him. I've been saying that about hundreds of people. And yeah, no yeah. one will give me credit for it. So I appreciate and they're just like, it. sir, this is a this is a Denny's. So <laughs> I made that waiter. <laughs> there was no grand slam until we had a podcast. He also keeps saying that he can unmake you. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd be careful. <laughs> That's an active Uh-oh. throw, Rob. Uh-oh. You were the best. Thank you for so, so much for coming, man. We'll let you Thanks, get back. Rob. We'll let you get back to ignoring your children. No, oh, thank you. Thank God. <laughs> Talk to you soon, brother. Take care, guys. Thanks. Well, Joshua, all of our guests are now busy milling about and socializing with each other. I'm sure the folks at home can hear all the chatter and glasses clinking and people laughing in the background <laughs> right now. Oh, Clink! Great story. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait to have another beer. <laughs> yes, uh, the colonel is here. <laughs> 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 colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes yeah, he's, has, he's, uh, has joined us. He doesn't know anything about wrestling, though, so we didn't uh, he's interview not on the him, show. unfortunately. Thank you so much to our guests. Uh, four great storytellers, four great people. Uh, all bringing different perspectives, touching on different elements of the show as that's well. That's right, yeah. And all people that are uh, near and dear to us here on the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a couple things that we should probably touch on before we wrap up that didn't come up a lot here. What are they, Justin? Uh, primarily, probably. <laughs> we talked about it with Zoobs earlier, but uh, Ronda Rousey yeah. versus Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoobs said 30-second match. Yeah. He might not be wrong there. But at the same time, like Ronda is such a great worker that... like, Are we there? Are we saying she's a great I, worker? I, I, in terms of... like. Where the expectation was oh, versus yeah. what she's doing, I don't want to say she's like D'Angelo Williams level, sure, but certainly in that mix of just somebody who, like I've seen, I've seen her work what like two singles matches ever now. The first one with was great. The second one was good. 
Well, it, it's a, like I think that giving this a thirty-second match is like a waste, perhaps, because there is certainly a thrill in watching her do what she did in the UFC, right? But there's a thrill in watching her like just dummy Alexa too, right? Well, I'll say this: uh, I think that you could say at this point. Well, I'm not ready to say she's a great worker. That's mostly just lack of exposure to me seeing her. One, and secondly. I'm willing to say that she's a better worker than at least a half dozen women that are on the roster, including Alexa Bliss. I think Ronda's going to be the better worker in that ring on Sunday. She felt like the face of the franchise yeah, on Monday uh, yeah, she for like the first time. And, and they gave her the most difficult job they could possibly give someone. Oh, you're talking is, about... She opened the show. And I don't know if that was because they needed more time to finish putting the Neidhart video package together. Yeah. Because, like, this came down in the morning. It was a surprise day of. Like, it takes time to put these packages together and make sure that they're what you want to be presenting and have the emotional punch that you want. So, typically, that's something that would probably open the show. Maybe it just wasn't finished. Or maybe they made the decision that, like, Natalia's not here. She's gone back to be with her family. Who is the number one on-screen tie to Natalia? It's Ronda. Ronda Rousey. Who is the number one person that we want to start this show off anyways with? Ronda Ronda Rousey. Rousey. (laughs) So maybe that was, like, the mental math there. But whatever the case... They had to make her go out there and talk about the difficulty of carrying on when your father is no longer there and that you have to carry the the torch for them and, and, and make sure that what they stood for in life continues on because they are always with you. And, and that is a, a tough thing for anyone to sell the emotion of. I mean, I think she's genuinely close with Natalia. Yeah, you get that sense, like maybe a bit of a veteran leader, big sister. So a lot of that probably did come from the heart, and it wasn't like an acting performance. Um, But like, no, not not intended at all. But but at the same time, like the knock on Ronda always and everything that she's done is like great presence, right? Horrible talk. Don't let her talk. Like, put her in a movie. Sure, let her have fight scenes. Let her be a visual presence in Fast 7 or whatever movie. Sure. Mile 22, that whatever it happens to be. But don't, like, give her lines, because that's not going to go well. They gave her the most difficult lines you could give someone. I thought and she did good. Especially for her personally, who has such a, a difficult past with her own father, who committed suicide when she was, like, I think three years old. I think older, but... Yeah, but, like pretty young. Yeah, and and that's something that she's only spoken about publicly, I think, once or twice, and had great difficulty doing so, and said like, "I'm never doing this ever again." That's right. So like, to put her in that situation and and watch her, not just like do it well, but like blow it out of the water, make it feel real, yeah. which is what all great wrestlers are able to do. Incredible. Right? So uh, you know, just wanted to shout out Ronda and and hope that she does get a chance to shine on this show because I do think that she sincerely deserves it. But speaking of um, people who sincerely deserve things, <laughs> yes, if we're going to welcome guests into our home, yes, here, as Josh, we should, uh, as we have throughout uh, this entire uh, evening and afternoon, uh, you know, the, it's been a it's been a day long house party here. Kicked it off bright and early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I've been drinking since 9.30 a.m. You can tell, by the way, I'm just rambling right now. I, I, I just feel pause like, it. I feel like if we're going to do this, if we're going to bring people in, why not extend the invitation to one lucky listener as well? 
to hop on here and close out the show. With that us. makes perfect sense to me, JMO, and I'm excited to see who responds to the tweet. Round five, fight! <laughs> you know, Josh, we said we were only going to take one listener to join us, but the response was just so overwhelming, overwhelming, and I didn't have it in my heart to turn people away. So we are being joined right now by... Almost too many people to, to list off. Definitely too many. Ryan Schapp joins us from uh, Pucks on Net. We've got Scoots Brodo on the line as well. Of course, longtime listeners will recognize him. Craig Tamble as well. Fruits are edible. The Beer Man is with us. And our pal Emerson at Fake Kane, who I am going to all in with in two weeks, is on the line as well. Let's start with the food, though, because this yeah. is a house party. This is the one thing that we have not touched on throughout this entire show. It's a good point. Is what we're going to eat and drink during SummerSlam Sunday. And we'll start with you, Ryan. Uh, you just cooked yourself a shepherd's pie over there in the middle of the summertime, fired up the oven. You're just sweating it out. Uh, I, I can only assume this is because you're a master chef. What kind of uh, spread do you have planned for Sunday's festivities? Um, I can remember that I treated WrestleMania as my one cheat day of the year, and I had a an entire bag of Chicago mix, oh, a yeah. six pack of beer, yep. and a, a slice of cheesecake. And by the end, I was so exhausted, not only from the amount of food I ate, but how you know strenuous and and horrible that show was in length. That I just felt terrible for about three days. Oh. So, so I think. Something similar for Sunday. I was thinking you'd <laughs> learn your lesson and do a salad spread. <laughs> a salad spread? Yeah, I mean, he wants to keep it nice and light so he's full of energy by the end of the show, what right? What are you going to spread? Uh, I mean, a spread of salads, like three different ones. Not a, a spreadable salad that comes in a fucking jar. Where's your head at? In poverty, where I live. <laughs> <laughs> we'll switch things over to the beer man now, Craig Campbell at Fruits Are Edible. Craig, what should we be drinking come Sunday? Well, it's going to be a fairly long show like most of the shows, so I'd start off with a lower ABV for the beginning. You, know, you don't want to run out of the gate too hard. Uh, so you know, keep it between 5 and 6% for maybe the first half of the show. And then by the time, you know... Roman and uh, Brock get involved. Just start taking shots so you forget the end. (laughs) Please don't encourage him. Last time he took shots (laughs) during a big wrestling event, I had to do a show with him. I mean, maybe we shouldn't do that again. (laughs) No, I felt like I was under assault. I do have to work at 4 a.m. the day after this show, so it might not be the greatest idea. Dude, one shot a minute per match of the uh, the Brock and Don't listen to bad influence, man. (laughs) I like where Every Superman punch, take a shot. Every (laughs) five, take a You know what? I am, I am hosting the whole thing at a bar this weekend, so that doesn't sound uh, too out of the ordinary. Or I should say, the bottles will be within reach. Uh, We'll head over now to our friend Scoots Brodo. Scoots, I know you love the ladies. Uh, and the ladies love you. There's one match we've not talked about on this show, so I'm going to let you uh, weigh in on it. It's the one that's going to steal the show. It's the house. It's the just the barn burner. Carmella versus Charlotte versus Becky. Scoots, where you at on this match? Uh, yeah, man, I'm real excited. I definitely have watched SmackDown this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was going to start watching it, but now I'm here. So Okay, sorry about uh, that. No, uh, don't apologize for that. Uh, I'm thinking um, James Ellsworth is going to return, and uh, Carmel's going to retain. Oh, I, 
I do think I we haven't broken this one down on the show yet so far. I also think Carmelo is going to be retained. I think that as well for reasons I outlined about a couple weeks ago. I think. Yeah, my reasons are I have no faith that things are ever going to get better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we will disregard SummerSlam entirely and look ahead into the future as we change gears and hop over to our pal Emerson at Fake Kane Emerson. I am going to be sitting on the floor, row three, side by side, arm in arm with you, brother, as we watch All In at the Sears Center in Chicago. You said you drove by the building earlier this week or maybe even earlier today. Where is your head at as far as All In is concerned right now? Uh, You know, I'm hyped up for it. I know that there's a lot of chatter about, you know, it not being wall-to-wall dream matches, but, uh, you know, I think just the – situation and the significance of itself, you know, I think, uh, I think they will handle it and uh, get it booked well, and I think it'll be a really good time. Wow. That main event, too, like, how could that possibly disappoint, right? Oh, right, of course. I, I'm assuming it's going to be Kenny versus Penta. The, yeah, the, I mean, the last one. There is no main event. Yeah, they yet. haven't. They <laughs> haven't said what the last <laughs> match will be, but. How could anything follow Kenny uh, Omega versus Penta L O M? You'd be stupid to try to do that. Are you going to ask me a question, yeah, Justin? Uh, I, I don't have anything for you, Okay, I got one. Hey, uh, what, what's your favorite wrestling book? But to me. Okay. Uh, and well, I'm going to say. Did you say it or did you just say it? Well, I just finished the audio book <laughs> of uh, The Fall of WCW, and I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. So that's, that's your current favorite. Right yeah, now. thanks for the question. Oh, look at Ryan Schaap coming up onto the screen with the, the hard book. copy. He's got, I got the hard uh, copy. I got, I got the, uh, my physical books in my beautiful library of wrestling biographies and books about Motley Crue. So just wanted to pull that out. It's very good. It's very well done. Yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed yeah. it. I would recommend it. It was a great question and a strong answer, I thought. All right, fellas. I'm going gonna- to... I'm going to turn you loose now with a broad <laughs> question to the floor. Uh, this is just pandemonium at this point. The bell is rang. Everybody's just charging into the ring to get their licks in before we go off the air on the go-home show before SummerSlam. Where's your hype level at for this pay-per-view? Are you excited that we might finally be finished with Roman versus Brock Lesnar? And I do encourage you to all speak at once. I guess I would say Roman that uh, you, know, you wonder if Roman Reigns is actually going to Oh, it's chaos, ladies and gentlemen. It's pandemonium. It's chaos. We're going off the air. We're running out of time. And he's going down for the one, two, three. Tape machines are rolling. We'll see you on Sunday. Be happy, spicy, tastes great. You're curry man. And if anyone is still listening at this point and you live in Vancouver, come on down to the Brixton this Sunday. I am hosting the show. I'm drinking there. Two until nine? We don't know. It's going to go all day long. The Brixton, that's off Georgia. Uh, It's Georgia and Maine, right next to London Pub. Come on by. We'd love to see you there. That's commercial and gravely. That's not where it is at all. (laughs) Titus Worldwide.